Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Jim Barnard, who is a pastor and the founder of Tiller Coaching. Jim, how you doing? Oh, man, so good. I guess I should say I'm living the dream. There we go. That's what <laughs> does, I love to hear. <laughs> yeah, does does everyone say that when they come on? They don't, actually. You know, oh. I've, I've had a decent chunk of interviews, and I've probably heard it like six times, maybe. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is good on my part or bad. So <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love right. it. <laughs> well, awesome, man. We like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah, great. Well, I'm in Denver, Colorado, uh, the, the, the Rocky Mountain State. And man, I love adventure. The, the adventure I love the most is skiing. So I would love to say I'm the best skier in the world. That's probably not completely accurate, but I'm better than my 12 year old son. So I'm going to keep him thinking that there we go, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I love to ski. That is a big area of recreation for me. Um, anytime I can go, we're gearing up for a big season this year. And it, it the projections are, is that we'll get a decent amount of snow. It's always dicey, but yeah, I think that's it. I'm a huge sports fan. So I like, I love football and baseball and basketball and just any sport I can watch, man. If, if I get free tickets to it, I'm there. It's that that's my favorite recreation right there. I love it. I love it. So sports <laughs> and skiing for you, huh? Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about Tiller Coaching. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. It's my my baby. I started it just before the pandemic. I, you know, Timothy, I've got a really hard and weird story. My wife got seriously ill three months into our marriage. And for the last almost 16 years now, she's just continued to go downhill. And it's been a hard, long road, man. Um, it's one that, you know, we call it an expectation gap. You know, I have hopes and expectations for marriage. And then our reality has come in far underneath that. And that, that gap is full of disappointment and dissatisfaction and distress. And so over the last 16 years, man, I've, I've, I've struggled in some unique ways. I've dealt with some serious bouts of depression and just like complications. Like my wife is, is really ill. She's had hundreds of nights in the hospital, dozens of surgeries. She essentially died on me twice. Like I've held her lifeless body. It's, it's been a road for real. So as you know, I'm going through all this, I'll, I'll be honest. I like God has done some really absurd things and he's written a really crazy story in our lives. And it's given me some kind of uh, weird sense of street cred with people. So yeah. when I was working in the church, I would just have just people every Sunday. Hey, can, can we hang out this week? Can we get coffee? I'm, I'm going through something right now. And I don't know who in this world would understand any part of it, except for maybe you, like you've gone through so much, like, could, could I talk with you and I'd be like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so like, several times a week, I'd be meeting with these guys and be like, can we meet again next week? And yeah, of course. And I'm just spending all this time out of the office, 
just doing kind of one-on-one something I would, I would come to know as coaching later on down the road. And I loved it. I loved what I was doing. It was like my favorite ministry that I've ever gotten to do is just sitting down with someone, sharing my story, asking to hear their story. And through this authenticity, like we just, we get real and we start digging into, into what hurts. And it's been, it's been amazing. And I, I love doing it. So suddenly at, at some point I realized, well, this is all I want to do in my life. So I, uh, I started praying about it and I started thinking about it and I decided to quit my job at the church, walk away from the security of a paycheck yep. and start this uh, little coaching organization where I give away coaching to people that are feeling the weight of the expectation gap. So people that are struggling and suffering in, in real ways. And I get to do it a lot over Zoom. I, I, I meet some people here in the office, but I mean, truly it's been, it's been like crazy to me, crazy that I could float for the last two and a half years, not charging anyone. Uh, there's people that partner with me and support what I'm doing, but man, doing this is like a dream come true. I mean, if we're talking about dreams, I didn't even know I had this dream until like, I felt like God started like piecing it together, this jigsaw puzzle. And I'm like, yes, this, this is what I want to do. And I'm so fortunate that this is what I get to do. So tiller coaching, coaching for the expectation gap, man. It's, it's a wild thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. Just tell us a bit more about your motivation. I feel like it's going to be tied to the expectation gap or a bit more about your story, but what yeah. really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Yeah. You know, I, I, I meet with a lot of guys, so I can be a little bit curt. And uh, I, I say that I would give a left uh, extremity uh, to, to, yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if someone would have done this for me, if someone would have offered this to me, I would have loved it. Like I, it would have been life-changing for me. So my motivation is, is basically to give people what I have wanted so desperately myself is to have someone walk with me in the midst of suffering. Cause it can be a, a long and lonely road. You yeah. know, when, when the suffering's real, it's, it's, it's really brutal. So, so that's one of my motivations is just to give what I want. The other motivation is just to be able to share my story with people, because I feel like God has written a story in my life that is unique and hard and funny and absurd. I like all, all this stuff. And I just feel a great calling to share it. So, you know, being able to be on podcasts, I wrote a book last year and, uh, you know, have, have, you know, our, our story out there on wax and uh, it's, it, it really is like everything to, to be able to model authenticity for people. Yeah. So that's, that's at the heart of what I want to do. I love that. Tell us a bit more about your story. Like, I feel like we haven't really yeah. gotten into it. Your wife got sick three months into marriage, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. So kind of just tell us about some of the adversity you hit, major points, how you guys have been dealing with the sickness, all that good stuff. Yeah, great. I mean, obviously such a good question. So um, yeah, three months in, like we we were newly married. We were barely uh, barely home from the honeymoon, it felt like. And then my wife, Alicia, suddenly just got like really sick. She couldn't keep any food down. So it was like at first, maybe you've got the stomach flu or a virus or something like, it'll be fine. No big deal. A week or two and it'll be fine. But then 
a week or two came and it wasn't fine. Like it was not going away. This girl was puking for hours a day. So we started to panic and started to go to the emergency room and visiting doctors, just trying to get some answers. What, what, what is this? What's happening? Like, this is pretty weird. And, uh, you know, there was this one doctor, this GI doctor who actually listened to us and took time and was very kind and caring. And he said, Hey, listen, there's something going on with you. That's like really big picture. And I, I want to help figure it out, but I just don't think we have all the tests here locally. Uh, we were living in St. Louis at the time. And he's like, I just, I don't know what it's going to take to get all the answers that we need outside of maybe sending you to the Mayo Clinic. So for three months, Alicia was up at the Mayo Clinic and I couldn't even be with her because I had just burned all my vacation time mm. on the wedding and on the honeymoon. And so she was up there with other people, friends, family, and, you know, that's great. I'm glad she wasn't alone, but it really like rocked my world that, uh, surprised uh, you didn't quit right there. I yeah, might like, <laughs> <laughs> that expectation gap was like sending me for like a whirlwind. Like I, I was starting to isolate and pull in on myself and, you know, I was, I was pretty depressed about all this. And, you know, at the end of the three months at Mayo Clinic, uh, man, she did some of the worst tests like you could ever think of. Um, things that are called like anorectal manometry. Doesn't that sound just awful? I don't care what that is. It's just terrible. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Uh, she had to do this thing called biofeedback where they were essentially training her how to uh, go to the bathroom again. They're like, something's happening in your digestive system. And we think it might be that you don't know how to poop anymore. So we're going to train you how to poop. Like there's a woman sitting underneath this false toilet seat tray. I mean, dude, Timothy, this is something like, it was awful, humiliating, brutal, just stuff that you would never want to put on an enemy, you know? So at the end of the three months, I go back up for this final meeting with the managing doctor and he walks in and pretty much gets right to it. And he's like, Hey, Alicia, I just, I, I want to help you. I just, uh, I think you're a ruminator. And I had no idea what this guy was saying. It might've, it, it should have just been a foreign language to me. I'm like, I, I don't understand that. But Alicia being smarter and uh, just more capable than me, she got it right away. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm nuts? And he's like, well, no, I'm not crazy. I just think that you have some things in your life that you haven't, uh, you haven't quite dealt with, you know, some emotional stuff that is causing these physical problems. And, you know, she's like, well, why? But like, where would you get this from? And he's like, well, you reflected that there was some abuse when you were a child. And, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty clear cut. Like when a, a kid faces abuse, like this kind of stuff happens. And she's like, I mean, yes, but not to that degree. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what about the anal rectal manometry? Like, what did that test say? And literally this guy's like opening the chart for the first time and reading through it and like, Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. Like, I, you know, what about the biofeedback? Oh yeah. You, you have no ability to poop. Like yeah. this, the, he, he had no answers for the medical stuff. He had just heard something in the initial meeting three months prior that led him to a conclusion. And then he put us through this rat race for three months yeah. and it was so defeating, man. And I, I just sat there on my hands, like not defending her not standing up for her. Like she's the most emotionally 
and spiritually sound person I've ever met in my life. Like, there's no way, man, stop it. But I, I didn't have the courage to, to speak up. And so we ended up getting back to St. Louis pretty dejected and pretty upset about everything that happened. Like, pretty clear that that's not the solution that, you know, because he's like, just get counseling. You know, counseling is going to solve this problem. So we went to go see that that doctor that sent us. And I think both of us were pretty afraid that this doctor was going to affirm that this Mayo doctor, this expert was going to be like the gold standard. And yeah, you know what, let's try counseling. Let's do this and that. And as he's like sitting there taking his time, reading through all the test results and the charts and stuff, man, I want to puke because I'm like so nervous that he's going to affirm this doctor. And, you know, Alicia's the puker, not me, but (laughs) Um, (laughs) he He finally looks up he breaks the tension and and he says honey it's not in your head it's in your gut and i hate that this guy ran you like that and, and gave you that conclusion like i know that that was super defeating but like i'm so glad you went through all this because now we've got answers that we couldn't have gotten over years so i'm glad you did this and pretty quickly he identified that the majority of the disease is, was in her ab or in her colon. So her disease is called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a connective tissue disease where uh, most people that have it, um, you've seen a contortionist, someone that can bend their joints in any direction. Um, you know, they're like rubber man or whatever. Yeah. So uh, Alicia has that same disease. It just doesn't play out that way in her joints. It plays out in her abdomen. So there's just no muscle tone pushing food through her digestive system. So she's been on a liquid diet for 13 plus years, I think, like, and and liquid gets clogged. So, I mean, it's a mess and all of her core organs in her, in her uh, abdomen have prolapsed or fallen out of place. Like Timothy, she's got cow tissue and meshing and tacks trying to keep things where they belong. Like it's, this is all really intense. So yeah, we, this doctor affirms that he, he identifies it's primarily in her colon. And so he takes her colon out, um, leaves like two inches of colon and then reconnects her. And when they biopsied her colon, he came into her hospital room and he looked like almost like shaken, like, like he had seen a ghost or something. And I'm like, hey, Dr. Presti, what's up? What's going on? And he's like, man, we just biopsied your colon and we've never seen anything like this. It was paper thin, but PVC pipe hard. Like it, we think it could have prolapsed or torn um, within days, weeks, you know, like certainly not any longer than months. Like it was really fragile. So clearly it wasn't in her head. It, it truly is in her guts. And so really over the the last, you know, almost 16 years, like all these like near death experiences after she got her colon taken out, she actually got better for a season, but it's been pretty straight hill down almost ever since it's man, Timothy, I, there's so many stories that go into it, but yeah, that's kind of the crux of it. She's now to a point where she can't drive. She can't work. She's, you know, kind of lives life on the couch and, you know, gets out to therapy or, Uh, different treatments, doctor's appointments, but you know, that's kind of her life right now. So uh, it it is a a real expectation gap that we're walking through, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh my gosh, man. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? No, that was that's crazy. And it really did just kind of blindside you three months in, huh? Yeah. I mean, we knew she had some health issues, mm. but nothing like this. Like it, it, it really was like one day it was like a trigger. It just suddenly went off. So you, you say how it's been going downhill. Is she set to live a, for the next 50 years <laughs> or is it like, like my brother has down syndrome and they tell me people with down syndrome diet, like 40. And yeah. so I'm asking, like, is, is her life expectancy um, still there? And it's just going to be a hard 50 years. Yeah. I think if I'm being honest, uh, I think we're all surprised how long she's lived, how long she's been willing to endure. Um, you know, in the last six, seven years, we found we found a therapy that hasn't helped her get better, take her up you know, upward in weight, upward in health. Um, but this therapy has stopped the fall and she's kind of in a season of plateau. And so th that's given her a lease on life, but you know, like once again, she's, she's pretty low. Like she's around 70 pounds. She doesn't have a lot to work with. She's really fragile. So, I mean, I've wrestled with this so many times, you know, how like a lot of times can cancer patients get all right, you know, sir, you've got six months to live, you know, go, <laughs> go live it up, get your affairs in order, that kind of stuff. Well, like we don't have that. I don't, I don't know if that's a curse or a blessing. I, I, I really don't know. Sometimes I think it's a blessing to say, all right, like in six months, like you're probably not going to be here. Let's, let's just do all the things that we have always wanted to do. Let's bucket list it. Let's make memories. Um, but other times that's a curse. Cause it's like, you're living in fear on like a daily basis. Cause that six months could be six weeks. They don't really know, you know? So I just try to do my best to stay present in the moment. And we do work really hard to, to make memories and, you know, travel when we can and just do, do anything that we can to, um, enjoy what God has given us, you know, and, and part of that is each other. So we, we work really hard to, to you know enjoy each other yeah 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 absolutely yeah that is an un you know it's it's one of those stories that's like you, you just don't think it like happens you know yeah. like I'm, I'm out here living my life and then i talk to somebody like you and it's like honestly just thank you for sharing that. it just gives you mm -hmm. like perspective appreciation for life yeah it's like gratitude a for your strength and b for like the things that we have and it really is like it's just it's an amazing story yeah amazing guy your family is amazing you said you have children or is it one kid or? yeah we, we've got a little boy he just turned 12 and he <laughs> he's an absolute miracle we should have never been able to have him i mean truly like her uterus like failed before ever having a human being in there yeah. it doesn't make any sense like this kid's a miracle he'll probably listen to this and be like, dad, you're putting too much pressure on me. I'm like, well, you're a miracle. I don't know what to tell you. You just <laughs> Do miracle things. No? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Walk on water, bro. Come on. <laughs> Turn that water into wine. Come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. But water? yeah, I mean, it, 
what I've told you so far is just like the tip of the iceberg. The story really is insane. And I know it was only like the first six months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I just feel like God's done absurd things. And honestly, just walking through suffering, it gives you perspective that like normal life never is going to, you know, like I, I don't, I don't love my suffering. I'm not pumped about, I don't, uh, I don't love it, but I'm actually really thankful for it. Like I, I can stand here today and, and, and tell you in the audience, I am thankful for the suffering we've had to walk through because it's given us a context for hope. You know, like if you ever think about this, like we understand the difference between day and night because we have like equal parts of it. Yeah. But like if the sun never went away, we would have like no concept for daylight, like daytime. Yeah. There's just, we, we, it would just be normal. Right. But the fact that we've got night, the fact that the sun goes away, gives us context for, for daytime. And the same thing with suffering. I think suffering gives us context for hope because I mean, it's easy to have like our own limited, like, uh, you know, personal sense of hope, but like, when your hope goes away, man, like, what do you have left? Like you're, you're stuck with all the suffering, but then you understand it when it comes back and, and it's like a bigger, more like glorified sense of hope. You know, it's like a capital H kind of hope. And I don't know, like there's probably people that are, are like, well, I ex- I've experienced suffering in my life. And that's not, that's not what I found. Like, yeah, like I'm, if that's true, man, I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's like legitimately, I'm not trying to sell anyone on anything. Like I, I literally have found so much gratitude and so much to celebrate through this expectation gap. So to be able to help other people, you know, through Tiller coaching and give that away to people, like what an honor. I, I don't know. I probably sound like a crazy person. Timothy, tell me how crazy I am. (laughs) Not at all. In fact, it sounds like you got a lot more figured out than a lot of the rest of us. What's that verse in the Bible? It's like suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces. Do you know that verse? You know what verse? Oh yeah, yeah. It's you're you're talking about uh, Romans five, and uh, it says that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces hope. Or I'm sorry, that uh, suffering produces character. Oh no, I'm, I'm now I'm butchering it. You put me on the spot. Here it is. Okay. I got it. I got it. I'm not looking it up. I know this. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame. And I, that's such a weird thing at the end. The hope does not put us to shame. Of course, hope doesn't put us to shame. Like what, what are we talking about? Yeah. And that statement is a sneaky statement because it, it actually is kind of connotating hell. Like to be put to shame is like an eternal damnation. Mm. And so it's a hope that says my eternity is secure. Like this hope can never be stolen or destroyed. So uh, it, it lives on forever. So I, yeah, we've had, we've had endurance. We've walked this pathway. We've, we've, you know, gotten our character built and I think we're living in hope. Uh, I, like that's what I'm trying for every day, but yeah, like that's one of my favorite parts of scripture, man. Like I, I talk about that in the book. So you read my mind, dude. Look at you. <laughs> I figured, I figured you'd resonate with that verse. So. Yeah. Yeah. Even um, if I couldn't get it right the first time, but yes, yes, that's, that's my verse. <laughs> absolutely. Well, awesome, man. Let's jump into dreams and goals. What yeah. is your vision for your life and your company? 
Yeah, you know, I like right now, what I'm really focused on is um, getting more coaches because I'm, you know, giving away coaching is pretty popular. Uh, people like that price point. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty busy right now and I need to have more coaches that have their own expectation gap experiences. And right now, if I were to do that, I would just tell people, uh, you know, when you're, when you're meeting with someone, just think, what would Jim do? Like I might get them a WWJD bracelet and when they get (laughs) stuck, just look down and be like, Oh, Jim would do this. And, uh, that's (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. And so I, I, I just think to myself, like, that's pretty bad training. Like that's, that's yeah. not helpful, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I do is so in my head, like, I don't know exactly how to flesh it out. I don't know how to train someone on what I do. Like I'm never stuck for an answer when, when people are talking, I don't know how or why, uh, probably God's talking through me. I don't know. But, um, like I, I don't know how to train someone because I, I don't know how to like put it on wax that way. So I'm about to start a project. So I, I wrote this one book, the suffering guy, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd love for people to read that. And, uh, you know, the, let's make a movie out of that. That'd be a dream come true. But, uh, I just finished ghostwriting a book for someone and, and now I get to start working on the expectation gap book. And that book is going to help me uh, get all of this nonsense out of my head and, you know, down on paper. And I can then use that. Uh, I'll, I'll publish that book and that'll be a great book, but I can use that to, um, to, you know, create training, to create some understanding of like, what is it that I do? And then I can bring on other coaches and that would be a dream come true because I'm not the perfect coach for, for everyone. You know, my, I, rely heavily on my experience. And I would hope that any coach that coaches with me would do the same, but I mean, I need coaches of all different expectation gaps experiences. So I got to grow this thing. I I need to. So that's, that's like priority number one right now. So that's, that's my immediate dream. As far as like longstanding dream, man, I, I just desperately want to find more venues to share my story. Um, you know, you, you let me tell a little bit of it here and that's awesome. Like, I, I don't know, like, I don't, my, my dream isn't to become rich or famous in this. It's just to uh, frankly glorify God through the story that he's written. And so if I could find more and more opportunities to share that, that's what I want. So I think that, does that answer the question? Is that, is that all right? It does. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. Just curious. Do you record your coaching sessions with people? I don't because I keep confidentiality with the people I meet with. And um, I've toyed around with that. Like, Ooh, I could do a podcast series of like impactful coaching sessions if, if they would be into it. Um, but for training, that, that would be great. I don't like, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, would I sit in on, on uh, appointments with other coaches? Would I have them record it for training purposes? I don't even know. I got so much to figure out. Yeah. I'm excited to figure it out. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest hurdle in training? Is it the questions they're asking, the answers they're giving to questions that the client asks? Mm-hmm. Is it just the general dialogue of how much back and forth happens? What would be the biggest hurdle? Yeah, I think it's probably the response to the things that that we hear. Um, I, 
man, Timothy, I've heard some messed up things. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the invitation to be authentic and in, in this coaching environment is real. And most people take that really seriously and they share things that they've never shared with anyone. It's, it's stuff you wouldn't want your mama to hear, like some messed up stuff out there. Right. Um, how in the world do you respond to someone telling you just dropping a bomb of like, hold on, wait, what? Yeah. What, like what happened to you or what did you do or, you know, whatever. So I think responding well to that is like, uh, at least 60% of the training, I think is, you know, how to, how to ask good questions in response to that kind of stuff, how to, um, how to, how to be like a duck. Like I might be freaking out under the water, but I'm cool and calm on this zoom screen. Right. Like I, I'm not, I'm not disgusted by you. Like <laughs> we're good. I, I'm your boy, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's really important. And like, I might be freaking out on the inside, but I, I can't let them know that because I, I don't want them to feel shame for what's real in their lives. Like what benefit, Yeah. what benefit is there, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's to answer your question, like that's probably where, you know, most of the thing goes. And I, I have like probably 20 things that I like typically go to, um, or things that I kind of give to the client, you know, in terms of homework or like books to read or, you know, thoughts to contemplate or, you know, whatever. And so probably getting all that out of my head and, uh, you know, saying, all right, like this, this would be a good time to pull this lever where you're going to, you know, ask them to, to do this assessment. And then how do you follow up on it? That kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Good question. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, um, it seems like you kind of have the stuff formulated, like your 20 things, like that seems like a really great place to start. And I think at some point it's just going to be taking the leap, man, like having some people and then they're going to fall yeah. flat on their face when they're coaching somebody <laughs> and it's like, well, why'd you fall flat on your face there? And yeah. then you'll create a tool for that. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And I've, a lot of the 20 things are trial and error on my end. Like some of this, like I maybe tried 50 things, but 30 of them weren't that good. So yeah. they got to, they got to go in the recycle bin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards really growing this thing, who would that person be and how would they help? Yeah. Timothy Douglas, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Like this is, this is a dream come true for me, man. Um, no, how do I answer this question? Um, so when I first started writing the the book, The Suffering Guy, I I did it in a panic. I wrote it, uh, Alicia was on that therapy that was helping her. It gave her this season of plateau. And then the insurance company took it away from her. They're like, we're not going to pay for this anymore. Mm. And it was going to cost us $300,000 a year. <laughs> which is, oh my. yeah, just unreal. So I started, I, I, I bought a website called I write to save my It's defunct now, uh, like go buy it if you want. I, like, I don't know. Um, but I was, I was writing like chapters of our story and I was asking people to share it, go viral, like get this thing to Oprah. Oprah can write that check for us. You know, yeah. Oprah could save us. So my immediate answer is 
Well, Oprah. <laughs> Save me, Oprah. Um, yeah. You know, like obviously she's 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 such a big deal. But let me answer with a, another name. Do you know who Bob Goff is? Absolutely. Oh, that guy's a legend. Yeah. I, you know, I I try to be loose. I try to be funny and a little off kilter. And and Bob Goff is that guy. Like, <laughs> if you've ever heard him speak in person. You're like, what is going to come out of this dude's mouth next? It makes no sense. Like he is a crazy person. Like he's so crazy. He's like a, a lawyer in San Diego or something. And he heard about, you know, orphans in Uganda that like yep. weren't, <laughs> weren't being adopted and were like stuck in this system. And it was like, someone should do something about that. He's like, oh, I should do that. Something about that. So he just flies to Uganda meets with like as many people as he can, like pretty much on the spot, Uganda like hires him. That's like, they don't pay him, but they're like, would you be our ambassador? So he's not yeah. like the U S ambassador to Uganda. He's the Uganda ambassador to the U S yeah. he's like helped all these kids get adopted. And like, he's like changed the world for so many people. And uh, his writing style is funny and profound all at the same time. And that's what I like. That's how I write. And, at least I would like to think I write. And uh, I, I just think like meeting Bob Goff, he would give me such a leg up. He'd be, he'd be like, all right, you, you need to, you need to live on the edge a little bit more. You need to go for it a little bit more. Cause there's things in my life that I like, I can sound all cool that I, Oh, I give away coaching and blah, blah, blah. This dude puts his phone number, his like legitimate phone number in the book. It does. Yeah, yes, he does. Like, called you it. Could, have you really? <laughs> Did he answer? No, I think he was he was like away with his family or something, so he went yeah. straight to voicemail. But I've had other friends who called it and he picked up and he's like, yeah, he was talking to him. So yeah, I mean, I I guess I could just make this happen. Like, you're asking me who could I meet? I could just meet him. I could you, you get could. off this this podcast recording and just call him. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I want to like really meet him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, I missed him. I've never seen the man in person. I read his books, loved his books. I was a young life leader in college. Oh, nice. And I went to Malibu, which is their young life camp in mm -hmm. British Columbia, Canada. And he has like a house up there. Yeah. And he came to the young life camp because he was a big young life guy back yeah. in the day. He came to the young life camp and <laughs> he was in the store, but I was in the kitchen cooking for the campers because <laughs> I was on summer staff. Oh, yeah. And so by the time I was like done, I'd gone to the store. He was already gone. I missed. Oh him. no! <laughs> I didn't get a meet Bob, him. <laughs> come back, Bob. Where are you? Yeah, and then I what's his phone to... number? Quick. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talked to some fellow summer staff, and they're like, "Yeah, he and his wife were so nice." Blah blah. blah. I was like, "Yeah, oh. he yeah, is, he's a beast, though." It, Uganda, like, he didn't only become the Ugandan ambassador to the u.s but he went there and like they had a huge problem with like witch doctors yeah and he ended up like creating like a legal system there to um get the witch doctors off the streets basically and yeah it's safer but then he had a witch doctor end up coming to christ in prison and is now yes. in prison saying <laughs> i'm living my best life i'm more free than i have ever been yeah uh, and it's because bob goth and prison <laughs> Dude, he's literally has changed the course of history for so many people. It's insane. Like I, does. 
Yeah, love does. I actually put, I I cheated a little bit. I saw your questions and I was like thinking, who could I, who could I say? And I wanted to say Bob Goff. So I pulled out the book here and I was just like thumbing through it. And I'm like, oh gosh, I want to be Bob Goff when I grow up. So what a great answer. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Just curious. What do you think Bob Goff would do in your shoes right now? Oh my gosh. That that question just made my mind explode. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a thing. It's a really good question. It makes me think same thing with my shoes. I'm just like, what radical act of love am I neglecting in my life every day? Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, if, if you I, have I an answer. Know, I don't know how to answer that, man. I like, I'm, I really am trying on my, on the daily to, just be as radical as I can, as I, I know to, um, I think on some levels, Oh, Timothy, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. Go for it. No, no, this like, this isn't awesome. This is not good. Okay. (laughs) I think on some level, like just the reality of like Alicia and, you know, like her stick continuing to stick around. Like I, I feel a little limited oh my gosh, I'm saying this out loud. Like this is authentic. This is happening real time. Yeah. Like there's only so much I can do and I got to love her. She's got to be at the top of the priority list and I'm not rooting for her to pass away. So don't mishear me on that. Like, yeah. um, but I think I, man, it's so much like over the last 16 years, I've been like preparing for her death, uh, uh, you know, of sorts. And grieving and uh imagining what it's going to be like and i guess truth be told like when she does pass away i know i'm going to be okay not just because i grieved but and and not just because like this has been hard and it'd be easier to not have hard but because like i have like that that real hope like that that pathway of endurance and character to hope and a hope that does not put us to shame like I got to be consistent about that. Like I got to be hopeful with her living and I got to be hopeful with her dying. And I got to be hopeful about just all the circumstances. I got to be consistent. So, uh, wow, that got deep real quick. I'm so sorry. It did. No, perfectly fine, man. I love that you, um, I love that you answered. So honestly, just curious if you didn't feel like you were being held back by Alicia, what would you be doing that is more in the terms of radical love? Mm, well, um, you know, some, some of the people that I, I coach, I, I'm not enough for them. You know, it's like, Hey, let, let, let's get a, a counselor on the team as well. Let's get a psychiatrist on the team as well. Um, I've had to send people to treatment centers, um, you know, some of them I've been able to go with them because they're like freaking out and yeah. it's legitimately a scary thing. I I think like stuff like that where I could just like leave at the drop of the hat because like someone needed me. Not that I need to be Superman or like have a hero complex, but like there's, you know, I I went to a treatment center like three, four years ago to get healthier in the midst of depression. And I like have a unique understanding of how that world works now. So if with my experience, I can help like 
yeah, like I would, I would just go, like I would go anywhere for anyone. Let's do that. That's what I want to do. Hmm. Go anywhere for anyone. I love that. Yeah. I just made it up, but I, I think I believe it. Yeah. That's going to be the title of this podcast. Ooh, <laughs> dang. I love that. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Now we're going to jump into our thriving three. But before we jump in, I want to, have you ever read the book, Who Not How? No, should I? I think you should. Okay, I'm writing that down. And I want I want to prod you in this direction a little bit. Instead of asking how you could go anywhere for anyone, ask who do I need in my life to like have people know that somebody can go anywhere, anytime for them, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because while you may not be able to do it now, I fully and firmly believe that with the correct infrastructure, the correct financial backing, and the correct systems, you could set it up so that those people could have somebody with them anywhere, yeah. anytime. So, uh -huh. and it, yeah. it might not be you right now, or it might be you if you can have somebody from the family come with Alicia, but um, I don't think that's a... I think yeah. you can stay with your wife, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can have, you can have other people, you can have systems set up and it's part of growing your coaching business. I just, I'm like, anything's yeah. possible in yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah. And so I'm like, how can we, or who do we need to be able to? Yeah. Question to ask. Man, that's so good. I, I want to say yes to people. I want to, I want to like use what's God's, what God has given me to help them and to help them trust Jesus in the midst of their gap. Like that's, that's real for me. And if by showing up, I can do that. Like I, I had a, a friend of mine, this, this woman who uh, her brother died in California and she was going to have to do the funeral. Like she was going to officiate it. She called me like crying, like, I don't know what to do. Like, it would just be great if you could come, but I know you couldn't come. And I'm like, wait, why can't I come? Like, yeah. You need me to come to California. I'll, I'll do your, your brother's funeral. I'd love that. Like, could I come? Like, please don't say no. Like, I'd love to do that. And like, I was able to in this circumstance, but I certainly can't say yes to everything. I can yeah. only be like a mini, like Bob Goff Jr. You know? Yeah. Probably can't go to Uganda right now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome, man. We're going to jump into our thriving three and then we have a couple more questions and we got like 13 minutes. So we're about to blow through these. Okay. All right. Let's roll lightning round. Favorite book, movie, or podcast. Pick one movie Truman show. Ooh, that's a good one. I like oh that. Oh my one. gosh. Why do I love that movie so much? Like it, if I were to write a movie, that would have been the movie right there. I love it. Uh, it's such yeah. a good one. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Solitude. Um, if I don't have a regular rhythm of solitude, I am going to fall apart. So, um, you know, little bits of solitude in my day goes a long way, but quarterly, I like to get away to a, uh, a lake in the foothills here in Denver and make a day of just being silent, you know, and I, I think anyone could do solitude no matter what your, you know, faith component is like, just go for it. It honestly silences like absolutely golden you know i i go there and i'll like approach god and be like hey i'm struggling with this and i'm gonna shut up now and for like eight hours i'm just silent mm. 
and it's like the most rejuvenating cup filling experience I can ask for. So I need me some solitude. I love it. I love it. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Bob Goff or Oprah? <laughs> I should stop tweeting at Oprah. I think she's getting a little salty. So let's not do that. Um, I mean, I could call by Bob Goff. Um, I, you know what? I, as much as those people might be able to help me, I think I know the direction that I'm headed. I think I know what God has for me. And I, I just need to be obedient to that and let the, the cards fall where they may, man. Like this book that I wrote, man, I used to like check the stats on it every day. Like how many people bought it today? Like, yeah, what's my social media stats? Like, oh my gosh, like yeah. shoot me in the face. Like that is like so defeating. So I just like, I need to put what I, what I have out there and just trust that it's going to be received or not received or whatever people want to do with it. I'm just being obedient to what I got to do. And I, th I think that's really just the answer, you know? Yeah. I love that. We got a couple more questions. That was the thriving three. These is our, this is our last series of questions. Right. Famously named the last series of questions. Uh -oh. bum, bum, bum. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any. Okay. Uh, I have struggled in my life to believe that I am not capable, that I'm an incapable person. Uh, there's probably some trauma in my life that enforces that. And I have worked insanely hard to try to kick that uh, because uh, I mean, that's, that's not true. I mean, I might not be capable at all things, but I'm decently capable at some things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably really capable of like one thing, but um, like to, to have a narrative that I am incapable is just not healthy or helpful. And so I've done a lot of counseling around that. I've uh, done a, a thing called neurofeedback to help me create neural pathways that aren't littered with, you know, terrible sense of identity. Um, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, does that still exist in me? Sure. <laughs> I will have imposter syndrome. You know, if you invited me to come talk somewhere, I would be like, why, why would he do that? That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but I'd get through it and be like, Oh, that was cool. That was so cool. I so, love it. Yeah. What actions reinforce this belief in your day-to-day -day life? Hmm. And it doesn't have to be a daily action, but every now and then this action pops up and it reinforces this belief that you're not capable. Hmm. That is, I wasn't prepared for that question, Timothy. This is hard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not capable of answering this. Oh no. <laughs> can I, can I say doing podcasts has exposed that? And, no. Um, uh, you know, I, I would say on the whole, like coaching has, is really exposed that because like I referenced earlier, you know, people will tell the thing that they've kept hidden from everyone in their life. Yeah. <laughs> they've never uttered the reality before and I don't know how to respond. And it's not a, for me, it doesn't feel exactly like, oh, I'm not capable. I think for me, it feels like, oh dude, like there's a thousand wrong ways to respond. So I'm like secretly praying, like, God, just give me wisdom for 
a response because this person's going to stop talking in a moment and then just sit there and look at me and expect me to say something. So I've, I've in that space, I've done a really good job of finding a healthy way to cope with that incapability because there's times where I've been straight up panicked. I mean, truly. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we got the limiting belief of you're incapable or you feel that you're incapable or that you believe that. Mm-hmm. How can you or how do you reframe that limiting belief to be an abundant belief? Like what would the phrase be? Instead of I'm incapable, what would the abundant version of that be? Hmm. I mean, the first thing that pops to mind is just like, hey, it's a, like no one is capable of everything. I am capable of some things. I'm capable of the things that I've been tasked to do. Um, I think that's like the the positive phrase. There's 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 another answer to that though. There's uh, there's an answer that says that um, you know, like, is anyone actually capable? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I think for a long time, Timothy, I used to believe that everyone else knew what they were doing. Like truly, like I'd be hanging out with you and be like, man, Timothy's got it together. Like I should try to be like this, this cat, like I'll just, I'll never be there though. Like, like somehow you got the playbook and I just didn't get that, that delivery. And I think the day that I became an adult, when I became a man was the day that I realized, oh, no one's got it all together. No one has it all figured out. There are certainly people that work insanely hard to make you believe that they know what they're doing, but they're making it up as they go along. We are all making it up as we go along. So that narrative, I tell myself all the time, like, it's okay to make this up as you go along. Like, because that's what everyone that listens to living the dream podcast is, is doing like today, they made it up. That's oddly comforting, isn't it? It is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. All right. We got one last question for you. All right. Bring it. I'm scared. <laughs> it's a, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. It's a fun one. Okay. There's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And so I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica. He was a guest on the show. Loved this episode because it really shifted my perspective. You can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Mm. Now, I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help and they're not willing to accept change. Yeah. How can we, you and I, create an environment that salts their oats and helps them change their life? Hmm. That is a, wow, what a question. What was that guy's name? Alan Laird? Alan? Alan Laika. Alan Laika, shout out, man. I know. I got I to gotta go back and listen to the episode. Okay, so earlier today I was meeting with a 14-year-old boy that is really into this music that sounds awful. It's <laughs> uh I kept joking that the band is called Murder Friends, but it's like Suicide Boys or something. And I was like, hey, like, can we listen to some of this together? And uh and he's like, oh, you could just see the defeat in him. Yeah. He's like, I don't yeah. like so I pulled up Apple music and uh, shared my screen and we were listening it together. And then I figured out how I could show the lyrics in real time and scrolling through it. 
and the lyrics were rough i mean it was yeah. it was dark murder friends i'd like not good not good um yeah and i think what i didn't want to do with this young man was to shame him like my goal actually it sounds like probably like boy what you doing like listen to this junk <laughs> you know yeah. it actually wasn't what i was trying to do but i i i was I was trying to be collaborative with him, you know, like this is something you do alone in private. Like, could I enter that world? And like, how, how do you feel doing that in collaboration? Does it take on a different tone? Does it take on a different life? Um, and he's like, yeah, probably not going to listen to, to them anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, cool. I think that's a good decision. Cause I mean, it is, it is, please don't look this up. It's awful. It is awful. But I think like coming alongside of someone and collaborating, uh, coming alongside someone and holding their arms up. Um, I, I, I think that that gives them the encouragement to like, take the drink, <laughs> to do the thing that they need to do. Um, so did that make any sense? What I just said? It made perfect sense. Ooh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Be collaborative, enter their private world, give them a chance to, you know, be loved for who they are, be seen and accepted. And I think it salts some oats. Yeah, that was a good recap. Holy cow, you paid attention. <laughs> this is why you're probably the best podcaster in the world. <laughs> have you been told that before? I have not been told that before. <laughs> well, I think it. I've been on a lot of podcasts. This one's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. Well, awesome, man. That is that's all we got for you. So is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, can I, can I just give like a, a, a blanket encouragement to people? Like this is so important to me, man, your story matters. Your story is a gift that you could give someone else. Like, don't keep it to yourself. That's not good. Uh, your, your gift, your, 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 your story can be a tool to help other people. Um, I know that it can be scary. Like, when you give your story away, people can hurt you, right? Like yeah. that's a possibility. And I think it's an act of love. I think to love is to risk. So you're taking a chance, but in my experience, man, it pays off like, like way more than it doesn't. And it makes a difference. Like you wouldn't believe. And I think for me, it's made a bigger difference for me than it's made for other people. Like I'm, really solid and secure in my story, even though it sucks. Like it is just not a good story, but like it's been really beneficial for me. So if I could give an encouragement as people are, are chasing their dreams, living their dreams, man, don't, don't be shy to like give away that gift. Cause I think you will, you will find friends and followers and uh, you know, people that believe in you. And that's, that's what's up. I think that that's, that's so important. There we go. There we yeah. go. Yeah. I, I did it. I did it. We did it. This is awesome, man. <laughs> well, awesome, Jim. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Timothy. You're 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 the best at this. Don't stop. <laughs> I appreciate it. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Jim had to say, make sure to check out his book, check out his coaching. All the links to do so will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. 
Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.